Welcome to Making Sense with Tangine. I'm your host, Tangine Twinkle. This is a podcast about making sense with the world around us, asking questions about things that are not being addressed, and finding solutions to problems. I have noticed that gentrification is a long-time issue in Philadelphia, which is affecting families by taking their homes away and them being displaced because of it. To talk about this ongoing problem, on the phone today, I have no- I, I'm here with Nora Lichtash. She's the director of the nonprofit organization Women Commu- Women's Community Revitalization Project. She also helps staff the Philadelphia Coalition for Affordable Communities. Both organizations advocate for fair and healthy community development and affordable housing. I will discuss with Nora who are the families being affected by gentrification and what policies are currently there created to help fight this issue. Hi Nora, how are you? I'm well, Tangine. And Nora, I would like to start off the conversation by asking where in Philadelphia is gentrification happening? Well, I think it kind of started very close to Center City where there was always a very strong market for um, housing and real estate and that it's initially just in the neighborhood surrounding Center City but also all along where there is good public transit. What we've seen is we keep track of these kind of things because we really care about housing affordability where I work at the Women's Community Revitalization Project and the coalitions that we're part of. So we have data that shows where the most real estate transactions are occurring and what those, how those housing costs are changing. And what you see is primarily there are sections of North Philly, both east and west of Broad Street. There are sections very close to the L, so farther east in North Philly, and then sections of West Philly, close to the University of Pennsylvania in Drexel, and then South Philly, just moving down Broad Street on either side of the Italian market. You just see a lot of of gentrification occurring, price values, the values of land have gone up and up and up, even going over as far as the expressway into Grace Ferry. Mm -hmm. And how many residents are being affected in Philadelphia because of gentrification? Well, no one is keeping track of this, but what we do know that we keep data and we break it down according according to council districts, because very often the people who can affect policies in the city are often elected officials and many of them are city council reps. So we can look, there are 10 city council districts in the city and every single council district has a tremendous number of people who are what's called housing cost burdened, Mm -hmm. meaning by the time they pay their rent or their mortgage, they don't have enough money left over to pay for their heat or snakes for their kids or the health bills. So that housing cost burden number is very high in Philadelphia, so many, many people are affected. What we do know is that one, more than one out of every two renters is housing cost burden. So more than half of every person who rents in Philly is housing cost burden, and more than a third of the city's homeowners. So one out of every three homeowners is paying too much for their housing costs. So a lot of people. And, like, what is the pros and cons of gentrification? I mean, I know, like, there are a lot of cons with housing burdens, like, um, with basically um, homeowners paying, trying to pay out their houses, becoming burdens, but uh, what are the pros of gentrification as well? Because there's always con mentioned. Well, the cons are not really about 
gentrification or development, the cons are about displacement mm -hmm. and people getting pushed out. And it's not just families, it's businesses, it's institutions. The organization I worked for had to leave an office that we rented for 17 years. It wasn't a personal decision. Our landlord was our friend, but they made the decision they could make more money if they turned it into high-cost real um, residential development. So the downside of this development or gentrification is displacement. The upside is that the city has more of a tax base and more people are in the city so that they can give more money, support our schools, our police, many and many other things. I think the problem is with displacement is that our government, you know, our government, the people we elect have responsibility to soften the negative effects of gentrification or displacement, and they have the power to do that. And in many locales across the United States, elected officials have introduced legislation that does soften the negative effects and enable some folks to stay in their community and some businesses to stay in their community as well as institutions. And who are these people being displaced? Like, who are the well, they're us. They're us, people like us, who can no longer afford the cost of their housing. Like, if you're a Temple student and your parents can't afford to pay for housing because the costs have gone up and up and up, then there are people just like you and me. Mm -hmm. And so anyone can live in a neighborhood where their income no longer covers, um, you know, the cost of housing along with everything else. In fact, in Philadelphia, mm -hmm. incomes have gone down since 2016. In general, many of us since the recession have lost hours, lost jobs. Our parents, if our parents are supporting us, can be losing income. So it's us. And so, how is this process like affecting those like? families, those families with lower income household, and like what is considered to be low income household? Uh, so in Philadelphia, you know, the median income just for the county of Philadelphia, for a family of four, I believe it's $29,000. So the average income, I'm calling it average, but it's really median income for our county is about $29,000 for a family of four. That means more people earn less than $29,000 than earn above $29,000, right? Do you, know, you understand what I'm talking about in terms of median income? Have you ever heard that term before? Um, yes, but can you explain it to our viewers who are listening? Not really, because I'm not a mathematician, but generally all programs... Um, and all documentation, all data that's collected are for area median income. And the area that they're collecting it for in Philadelphia is both Philadelphia County as well as all the surrounding counties. The surrounding counties are much, often people have more income. So the area median income for Philly and the Collar counties is about $92,000 for a family of four. But the city or county median income is about $29,000 for a family of four. So that's who most who lives in Philadelphia. There are a lot. There are as many people who earn less than twenty nine thousand as earn above twenty nine thousand in the city of Philadelphia. So I'm not a mathematician. I'm not a student. I'm not a professor. I'm just someone who develops affordable housing. And so there's a lot of us who do earn that amount. And for people at that amount, it is very hard to afford housing in the city. And what about working and middle class families? Are they being displaced too? Well, many people are low-income who are working. 
So if you earn a minimum, if you earn minimum wage, you work forty hours a week. You earn, um, I think it's fifteen, maybe it's fourteen thousand nine hundred dollars if you work forty hours a week at a minimum wage. So we're not talking about people who are working versus people who are not working. And many people earn, you know, have two minimum wage jobs, and then they're making almost, you know, $28,000 a year. So it's kind of a, I guess it just depends on your vantage point. But many, many people are working very hard and still earn very little money. Mm-hmm. Um, I live in a suburb. So like, um, I live in Upper Darby. And I right now, Upper Darby is like sort of gentrifying itself. Um, my friend told me like a lot of like, um, a lot of homeowners from New York are coming over to the neighborhood and are trying to buy off their homes. And so do you think that gentrification is moving from an, from an urban environment to and coming to the suburbs as well? Well, it's interesting, and you have more experience than I do in that. I grew up actually in Upper Darby, but my experience was with gentrification that because, you know, it cost more and more money for gasoline. Many of the folks who did live in the suburb were moving back to the city, and that was causing pressures and, you know, property values to go up because more people wanted to live in the city. Previously, they had lived in the suburbs. So if that's what's happening in Upper Darby, that's really interesting to me. But I think initially it was folks leaving the suburbs to come to Philly that caused some initial market pressures. And now maybe it's people coming from other cities moving to the suburbs around Philly. So that may be occurring. I have no data on that. Mm-hmm. And how does race come into play here? Like in areas where there are people of color who are homeowners, are they affected by gentrification more than other than their counterparts or their neighbors? The thing that affects you about gentrification is how much money you have. So that's social class. But because racism in the country over, intersects with class, because of racism, many, many, many people who are poor are people of color because of the discrimination that people face. So what we find in terms of neighborhoods, in the neighborhood where I work in North Philadelphia, the cost to buy a house has gone up three more than 350% since 2000. In the neighborhood where I work, again, this is just data from the census that anyone can pull, and lots of times... The census breaks things down in different ways, but there's a data point on African-American households. There are 22% fewer African-American households in in my neighborhood than there used to be in 2000. If you look in South Philadelphia, more than a third of the African-American households are gone since 2000 because of pressures from gentrification. So gentrification is an issue. Like if you have money, you can stay in the neighborhood. It doesn't matter what your race is or religion or sex, but generally because of racism, sexism, and people's prejudice, there's an overlap between class and race, money, and those things, and so most people who are pushed out are people of color, women with kids, you know, people who aren't white, and men, and rich, or live with a white, rich man. And I just wonder, where are these residents, like, after these residents are displaced, and their homes are taken away, where do they go? Like, how do they find, like, other housing options? Or, like, what happens to them? Like, we never talk about the aftermath. No one knows. No one keeps data on that or knows. And so in our neighborhood, we tried to keep data on folks who were not able to pay um, home repairs. 
So they would get an offer, buy your house for cash. Of course, that person would flip it, put in a certain amount of money, but really make a huge profit on it. So we tried to keep track of that. But, you know, we're one small organization. People were working, were trying to move to places that were cheaper that they could afford to buy, but often that was way far away from their original communities. For renters, they're the folks who are pushed out due to gentrification first because their rents go up so quickly and they can't, you know, they don't have anything to sell for cash. So those folks don't go any place where they can afford the rent, but it's very, very hard. I mean, I'm just, it's so surprising to me, like, how, like, companies and, like, um, people, like, with a lot of money can just come by and just tell you that, like, they bought, like, they have ability to buy your property and you have to move out. Like, you don't have to move out if you're a homeowner. You make the oh, decision okay. to move out. Do you know how this works? Like, so this is capitalism, and under capitalism, people buy and sell things. So if you're a landlord that is, let's say, renting to me for $100 a month, and you see there's a lot of people coming to look for that same apartment. They want to move it to 150 a month. Well, if I, my rent goes up $50 a month, I often can't afford it. If I'm a homeowner, someone comes to me and says, I'll buy your house for cash for $50,000. And I thought my house was worth 30000 So I say, great. They put another twenty in and can sell it for $100,000. So that's how capitalism works and that's how gentrification works. Mm-hmm. And that kind of kind of reminds me of like the ten year tax abatement, in which it eliminates property taxes for developers. How does that you know affect, or how does that contribute to gentrification in an urban community? Well, I think that law was passed because there were very few of what I'll call market rate developers. There wasn't a market in our city, so our city was considered to be affordable. It was not affordable to everyone, but by um, some standards, it was affordable compared to other cities. And so they said, well, how can we get developers in here to buy and sell houses? One way to do that is by limiting the amount that anyone will have to pay on their property taxes and getting an abatement for 10 years, meaning you just pay what was what the taxes were originally before you bought, made the improvements to the house. So that was passed, and that attracted a lot of market rate developers in to flip properties and to buy new properties. And then the people who bought from them don't, didn't have to pay as much in taxes as the person next door who had been living in the neighborhood forever. So that law was useful to pull more developers into our city and more development to happen. It increased property values pretty substantially. It's been in place for a long time, and people are feeling like now we may not need those kind of incentives for development anymore. And so there is legislation that was introduced um, last week by in city council that instead of getting a full property tax abatement for 10 years, the first year you get the full abatement, and the second year you get 90% of that, in the third year you get 80%, so by the end of the 10 years, you are almost up to paying the full property taxes, what that property is valued. So we support that legislation in our coalition, and our coalition is called the Philadelphia Coalition for Affordable Communities. We welcome volunteers. and um, But what we think is that new money that's coming into the city now in additional taxes that weren't being paid in the original 10-year tax abatement should go 
Well, certainly some portion of them should go to the schools, but some portion should go to the neighborhoods that were being hurt so badly by market rate development pushing people out. And so we want the city to start putting some of that money into creating and preserving affordable housing. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Nora, for talking with me about gentrification and how is it affecting our urban community and some of its lower income residents here in Philadelphia. Also, thank you listeners for joining us on Making Sense with Tangine. I hope you all took something from this episode today about the realities of gentrification and how it's taking over our city and our brotherly love. If you want to hear more about my podcast, follow me on Twitter with the handle at Tangine Twinkle. This is Tangine wishing you a wishing you all a good day. Okay.